Every year, Sports Illustrated releases the SI99, their top recruits in every single class. In 2023, your Bears have a guy on the list. I bet you can guess who this is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday, everybody. Drake Till here alongside John Garcia Jr. of Sports Illustrated. Thanking our new sponsor here at Locked On LinkedIn. Job Solutions being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On channel. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com forward slash Locked On College. Terms and conditions do apply. John, the SI99 is out. I know it's got to be one of the biggest weeks and the biggest pieces of content that you guys put out in the off season, which it's almost not the off season, by the way. I want to know before we get into the bear that made his way onto that top ninety nine. What all goes into being on this list for these ninety nine guys? It's it's like the greatest and simplest question simultaneously, Drake. It, it it's a lot. There's there's really no other way to begin explaining it. Uh, basically, we are tasked with. Finding the best, the, the top 99 recruits in the country. And I think it's important to distinguish where we're projecting to. You know, I, I think there's a lot of great media outlets out there that cover recruiting. I've, I've worked for three of them. I, I know their inner workings, but mm-hmm. we're a little bit different. You know, we project for college. You know, the fandom, the passion, the energy is in college football. And, and I'm not a scientist, so I can't push you four years ahead and project you to the NFL draft. We are projecting for college and i would say early college we want to give you the 99 prospects that we think in the next 18 to 24 months are going to make an impact on a certain college football roster some will be easier to see than others but we want to give you the best you know 19 20 year old college football players that will you know don you know that ncaa logo on their helmet uh, going forward so it, it sounds kind of basic and simple uh, but it's really anything but because within that now you have to evaluate with a certain idea in mind uh, it's more about the floor than the ceiling so if you're great athletically but we hadn't really seen it from a consistency or production standpoint in high school we're probably going to dock you a little bit but at that same notion if you're so freaky like a nicholas harbor who's six four two 30, 240, running a 10 100 meter dash, and you play multiple positions and you hadn't figured it out yet, there are certain examples where we just kind of have to bend that way because there's just too much talent to deny in that regard. So what inevitably happens is that there's this blend of these super safe, polished, high floor prospects mixed in with these super freaky, I don't even know what they're going to be, but they're worth noting anyway type of recruits. And then it comes out to, to 99 prospects uh, in the end that, that are a really nice blend of those two approaches. So that's really where we start to construct it. Uh, obviously, there are certain positions that have more value that get the benefit of the doubt. Quarterback, obviously one of them, left tackles, corners, pass rushers, guys that we know are that are going to impact the most integral part of what football's become, which is, of course, you know, the passing game. Those guys get the benefit of the doubt and reflect in the 99 in terms of volume. There were 17 pass rushers, 17 wide receivers, 11 quarterbacks, you know, in, in this SI 99 that we just released. So if you can impact the passing game on one end or the other, 
you've got a little bit more increased uh, positional value. We call them premium positions. So those guys get the benefit of the doubt there as well. So it, it all just kind of comes together over several months, uh, even years of work. By the time we see all these guys in person and on Friday nights and on tape and in the offseason at camps and all that stuff, you put all the data points together because everything's a data point. And, and then you right. feel comfortable about the list that you put out. And then you start to rethink it as soon as it's out. So that is that is where we're at at this point. And that's the beauty of it. we got a preseason list and then a postseason list, and that's it. So we'll have a lot of opportunity to tweak, but also not knee-jerk react off of one big performance and say, man, we messed up. Let's go blow this yeah. thing up right now. We really give ourselves kind of our own system of checks and balances uh, along the way. So really excited about the product. Relieved, certainly to get the names out there and obviously eager to see how these guys all do as seniors before we tweak it one more time. I did realize no, if there's a bone to pick with anyone, I guess it's you, no punters, no nope. place kickers. Nope. No, I, 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 no fullbacks floored. The game of football is changing, John, <laughs> I, for the worse. Yeah, look, I, I have done this a very long time and I still couldn't tell you the proper, amount of hang time and launch angle of a great kicker or punter. Um, and, and yeah, fullbacks are kind of dead. Unfortunately. Yeah. I can't Look, those wait. are tight ends, right? You just move right. them to fullback or, or you bring a linebacker and you're like, Hey, you're a yep. four year guy. You, you've got some experience. Can you come block for our running back on, on fourth and one, please? Okay, cool. Yeah. Just go hit, just go hit the first guy. You see. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly changed. And we look, we do try to modernize, uh, how how we approach it. Um, no disrespect to the specialist, but we rank nickels. We rank slot receivers. You know, we rank some positions a little bit differently of the 13 positions that we we do put out there. But yeah, there's no K or P next to any of these names uh, unless they're from a city that has those letters. But positionally, yeah, we, we we do avoid that on purpose. No disrespect to those spots. Again, integral, but, you know, long slappers, kickers, punters, and I guess fullbacks now are certainly avoided uh, on our end. So apologies to all you specialists out there listening. Yeah, your P is Pennsylvania, your K is Kentucky. That's just about it for those guys. Yeah. Uh, there is a lot of that whole QB thing. This is certainly the year of the quarterback. It's a loaded class. And so I'm scrolling through, hoping that a Baylor Bear is on there. And I know the specific one Bear that would be there is Austin Novosad. And wouldn't you know, at 70 on the SI-99, there he is in this great class of quarterbacks. The distinction of being SI-99 has to mean just a little bit more for a QB who is under the radar and is now here amongst some of the biggest names we've seen in QB recruiting in a while. Yeah, really great point, Drake. 12 months ago, we weren't talking about Austin Novosad. We, we just weren't in this context of the 2023 recruiting cycle we certainly were talking about arch manning and dante moore who's the number one player in the country and and some of these other great passers but yeah he, he wasn't one of them but that that's i think the best part of this is you can play your way in that, that's why we don't do a sophomore ranking or a freshman yeah. ranking we allow these guys to truly mature because some of them will start as true freshmen and and go crazy like moore and manning etc but some guys need time or in the great state of Texas, you got a great quarterback in front of you that you just kind of need to graduate so you can go see the field. But in Novosad's case, really played his way into it initially with his 2021 season at Dripping Springs. We, we've talked about it at length. He he had almost every box checked. The production was there. The creativity was there. The accuracy was certainly always there when you talk 
Austin Novosad. And there was a little bit more mobility and off script ability than maybe a lot of folks would think in going back and really digging into that 2021 tape. And then obviously he supplemented it with such a strong off season to the point where he just played his way into bigger and better scholarship offers than he had a year ago, uh, you know, where he was uh, maybe group of five, maybe low end power five. Now it's like, no, 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 this is all power five, all conferences represented, you know, you know, even PAC 12 with Stanford, obviously Ohio state, Notre Dame. I mean, this, this became a true national battle kind of all over again. And, and Baylor won this recruitment twice, which is a really big deal by the way. Um, so he played his way into all of that. When, when the tape got out, people saw him in person this spring and then thereafter in the off season, and it just came together. I mean, this is a legitimate top 10 quarterback, no, no matter how you look at it, whether it's production, whether it's just evaluating the top traits. I like to do that sometimes when I'm trying to split hairs, because that's often what we're doing in ranking these quarterbacks. Give me your best trait versus this guy's best trait. And let's start to almost make it a tournament of sorts uh, and go through it in that regard. Give me your last 12 months as the sample and let's run through that. And I think in that regard, I mean, it's it's Dante Moore and Austin Osa. There's There's no other guy who's had the run in the last 12 months that these two had. So one comes in at number one and the other's a top 10 quarterback without a, a flicker of doubt when we started constructing this list back in the spring. It, it was right after we saw him. I'm just like, man, this, this guy just like kind of forces his name on you. And then yeah. his recruitment did, did it by itself thereafter. But at every single stop, Novosad proved it. The floor here is incredibly high, and, and you know that's really important to our own evaluations. We think he's a safe bet, and we think the fit at Baylor is really important, and I think that's another element that we consider that others – I know that they don't or they try not to is, is yeah. where the kid is going. So journalistically, how could you ignore a data point, right? If, if you're building a story, if you're you know gathering all your facts, which is what reporting is supposed to be even though – you know we can get into a whole tangent on what it's become. How could you not consider where the kid is going to play? Uh, th this is a huge data point in, in this type of projection. If a quarterback is going to go play for Lincoln Riley, shouldn't that give him a little bit of a bump? Yeah. If a DB is going to go play for Corey Raymond or Nick Saban, shouldn't that create a little bit of benefit of the doubt receiver at Ohio state? You know, there, there's let's, let's lean on some of these professionals who do this too, and not pretend that we are, the, the best individual scouts in America though we want to be, you know, let's not pretend that it's all about us in that regard. It's, it's almost a selfish approach. So everything we gather is a data point, including where the kid is going and the fit. I think if Austin Novosaw was committed to Mississippi state in an air raid kind of system, it probably dock him down a little bit. Cause that's not essentially his game, but, but with what Baylor wants to do from a ball control and consistency standpoint, this fit looks looks like butter it looks like where it should be and that also bumped up Novosad's case to, to not only be in the 99 but to be relatively high up within the 99 so Baylor had a lot to do with this ranking just like uh, Austin himself did John I was scrolling through the list the SI 99 guys and I saw other big 12 schools and it dawned on me 
Baylor's not the only school that recruits in the Big 12. I think I've had this misconception for the past few months that Baylor's the only college that exists because everyone's so excited about football season. So I kind of want to get a pulse of recruiting across the Big 12. But first, I can kind of tell the folks at home about Built Bar. So Built Bar has these new puffs, and I don't know if you're ready for this. They are indulgent, delicious cookie dough puffs. I promise. Look at this. I've got a full head of hair right here. It didn't used to be this way until I started eating Built Bar. It was it was patchy. I had a big bald spot. Not anymore. I started eating Built Bar and specifically the cookie dough chunk puff. And it has this light and fluffy texture. There's no hassle of making any of the ingredients. You just kind of pop the thing open and eat it. And then boom, your hair comes back. I the, the, They can't promise that. But I am saying my hair came back. Only 160 calories, 15 grams of protein as well. 100% real chocolate, so it's good, it's tasty, it's healthy. Like all the little superlatives and adjectives you can throw in there, they probably apply, the good ones. What's great about Built Bar, too, is they're made with this collagen protein. Didn't think you'd hear that to start your day, but your body absorbs it really well. You eat something that tastes good and it's good for you. It's the cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for a workout, a perfect protein bar, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED. On 15, that changed. That changed. Locked on 15 to get 15% off your order. Again, go to built.com. Use that promo code locked on 15. You get 15% off of your order at built.com. John, recruiting across the Big 12 is obviously different in two years when four new teams are in and two two teams are gone. And those two teams, Oklahoma and Texas, have historically recruited the best out of this league. So I don't want to focus on those guys, but around the rest of the conference. Who are you seeing in 2023 that's making waves and recruiting up there with a team like Baylor, who's almost secured their spot as a top 25 class? Yeah, that's a really great question because we've seen so much fluidity in the Big 12 relative to coaching staffs, styles, and that all, of course, impacts recruiting in its own individual way. I think the early outlook of this 23 class was really about Texas Tech and Joey McGuire, who you know your audience knows so, so very well. They went nuts at the very beginning of this cycle. I think they had the biggest class in the country for like six months. And they're still, if not the biggest, with 25 verbal commitments. They're right in that conversation. I think Duke, ironically enough, also has 25 verbal commitments right now. So Texas Tech really uh, hit the ground running with Texas prospects, particularly those in the western part of the state, as you would imagine, relative to, to Texas Tech's location. They really took chances on recruits that they bought into, you know, from an evaluation standpoint, trusted those evals, which is always important for any singular recruiting program and and landed a lot of these these kids very very early so much talent in fact that they've had their commitment list poached a little bit their best recruit was was calvin mm -hmm. simpson hunt he was flipped by ohio state you know and he's in the si 99 you know that was a guy tech evaluated early often and landed that looked like he was going to be kind of the the banner player for the class um until ohio state got involved so that's another indicator of a program that does really good and trusts their own individual evaluations. So I think Texas Tech deserves a lot of due there. You mentioned Baylor, fringe top 25 class, it, it well in there for us at Sports Illustrated, led, led by Austin Novosad. Great balance to this crew. Um, had a couple other guys under 99 consideration, by the way. I thought Isaiah Robinson was, was really on the cusp. It's not 
the most fluid offensive tackle class, like we talk about with quarterbacks where there's just so many guys. There's a lot of varying opinion with the offensive tackles. There were a couple that made the 99 that some of the evaluators I trust were like not even close and vice versa. Yeah. So that's a, a position that's become polarizing in this class of 2023. So Isaiah Robinson could absolutely potentially play his way into the 99 come January when we wrap that up. So Baylor, Texas Tech, obviously recruiting well, as, as my dog is, is reiterating here. And then we've seen some of the newer coaching staffs kind of switch it up. I think TCU's done a really nice job going out and getting athletes. Obviously, their offense is going to open up much more under Sonny Dykes. So I do think that that's a team to keep an eye on going forward. And, and maybe the surprise crew group, I should say, of the Big 12 is K-State. I think they've also suffered some attrition because they, they identified and evaluated so well that other schools have poached. But even beyond that, they've brought in some banner recruits and had some big wins locally and regionally against some marquee competition, most notably Avery Johnson, a quarterback who's maybe one of the most dangerous dual threats in the class of 23. And again, you talk about fit at, at that position and, and you just know him, him staying in state for the Wildcats uh, is going to be a thing. He's going to, I don't know what NIL deals uh, all these guys have, but I yeah. think Avery Johnson is going to have his fair share once he gets to campus because he he's athletic enough to play wide receiver yet most polished and productive enough to play quarterback in the power five. So I do think that Kansas state with him as, as kind of a catalyst is out recruiting expectations a little bit. So, so the conference feels different. Uh, there's a lot of teams going in different directions. We talked about Baylor Baylor's rebrand on, on recent shows together, Drake. Um, and, and you, you have to go all in with that from a recruiting standpoint, because it's one thing to sell it. Uh, or, or do it, but you got to sell it in between. Um, and then those early recruits have to buy in, and then you have to follow it up. So Baylor is doing a really nice job of that. I think TCU and K-State are are on the way. And, and you still get, you know, some consistency from the Iowa states of the world. Love J.J. Cole, top 50 player for us at SI. Really, really shined at the Elite 11, um, despite being the son of a kicker. Uh, a son of a, a legendary kicker and kicking coach, if you will. This is like a 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six quarterback. So Football is funny, uh, but the Big 12 certainly has some marquee prospects uh, and some marquee commitment classes being built. And obviously, there's still at least four months to go in, in this process before early signing day. So we might see some other schools you know, start to push up uh, from, from the middle tier of that group. John, seeing Cincinnati, BYU, Houston come into the conference alongside US, UCF, which of those four teams – jumps out to you as dangerous in the recruiting world, meaning day one when they get in this conference, they move straight to Big 12 country and start poaching their own. You could make the case for all four, and that's what's really intriguing about this group. Obviously, from a metropolitan perspective, Houston could we're, – we're always like, hey, this is, is this a sleeping giant? We've always yeah. kind of asked this question from a recruiting standpoint because that Houston metro area, particularly you know after 2005 and Hurricane Katrina where there was such a migration, there's as much talent in that Houston metro as, as just about any in the country. So if you put the, the theoretical border around it, you've got a really nice chance to, to make this Big 12 emergence one that you, you hit the ground running within. Same kind of deal for UCF, um, coach that's been there and done that, SEC ties, a very popular portal destination, so a little bit of a different approach with UCF. BYU is as niche and interesting 
yeah. a school as there is from a recruiting perspective, you get you get this delayed enrollment from these players who they commit and they go on these church missions and they come back as 20 year old freshmen, you know, and a lot of times they're, they're bigger and badder and, and, and that much more ready to contribute. So you get this mature roster that is, is truly a, a, a long, a long-term vision um, there at BYU. So that is interesting. And, and then obviously most recently Cincinnati brings that combination of, Great football locally, the ability to recruit the region, recruit Big Ten country pretty successfully, even head-to-head -head against Penn State and Michigan and, and some of these schools at times, but also the on-field product. Of course, you can now sell. We went to the playoff in the G5. Now we're in the Power Five. So, you know, why can't we do it again with that much more opportunity? So I think Cincinnati's the wild card. I think that's the school that – if they start getting into recruiting the state of Texas and going a little bit more West, which they haven't done typically, I think that's the school that maybe has a, the highest ceiling coming into to the big 12. Cause I think the others already, obviously Houston dips into Texas, BYU as well. UCF has tried to go national from the jump under Gus Malzahn. So they've all tried to do it. I don't think Cincinnati has tried to do it intentionally yeah. just yet. So that's the one that I think is maybe the biggest wild card or has the highest ceiling among those four that do come to the Big 12, but they're all they're all going to make some moves, particularly in the state of Texas, which I think is going to make it that much more fun and probably more balanced down the line. John, the last thing I want to pick your brain on, I was looking through the AP poll and the SI-95 and realized there are a lot of teams that find their way on both of those, specifically your top 10 teams in college football, see themselves in the SI-99 three, four, five or more times. It's almost like, even in the age of the transfer portal, the best teams at recruiting are the best teams at football. Are you starting to see a correlation there? Always. I think I think if you look at a national title roster, which you know the nerd in me does every year, hey, where are these guys from? How do they they get them? There's always this national footprint, even when it's Alabama or LSU or Georgia, where it's you would assume so focused on the South, it's really not the case. You know, Georgia's best players were from well outside of the Atlanta metro area last year, whether you talk Brock Bowers at tight end, uh, James Cook, the, the Miami native uh, at running back, you know, some of these great players, Nicobe Dean from Mississippi, you know, how many Mississippi kids go to Georgia? It's, it's not as many as you'd think. So, you know, even those rosters where you just expect okay, there's going to be 75 Georgia kids on this team. You know, it's it's not the case. So I do think that, yeah, recruiting powers, they already know this and they move national sooner rather than later, even if they have these great metros at their back. Uh, and, and I think there's a clear correlation to these national title teams. You can't recruit locally and win a national title. It's just not something in this era that we have seen successfully um i don't have all the data in front of me in that regard but again looking at all of those rosters and how they were constructed and the portal has become a part of this as well and i don't want to make it seem like this is just about high school recruiting but yeah mm. there, there has to be a certain level of talent acquisition that that your your team provides because you're going to go through injuries you're going to go through transition you're going to suffer losses in that portal because you have so much talent and some kids are unwilling to wait, et cetera, uh, you've got to be able to to sort of survive that. And yeah, the AP poll and recruiting rankings often reflect that. I think Alabama was number one in both 
right now. And uh, yeah, Georgia's in there pretty up high. Notre Dame's in there pretty up high. It's it's Clemson. It, it's kind of the same deal. There's there's a few outliers. Texas is much higher in recruiting than they are on the field, at least right now. But a lot of people think that this is the year where they start to to kind of sync up on on both of those fronts. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to play out. But look, preseason stuff doesn't doesn't hold a lot of weight. I know it creates a lot of content for us, but it doesn't hold mm. a lot of weight. I think um, there's a ton of studies out there on how bad some of the preseason uh, rankings often are. I think it'll be strong at the top, but thereafter, I do think there's some question marks. You know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, I, I think is interesting as a top, what, 12 or so uh, program, you know, that that doesn't necessarily bring in that type of talent from a recruiting perspective year in, year out. So there, there are some teams that are a little bit funky on that list. NC State's got all this hype. And I love Devin Leary, but man, it's a lot. That's a lot. People are like, they're going to throw in Clemson and all this. It's going to be this new thing. There, there's a lot uh, of, of interesting buzz with certain programs. And it's awfully quiet with some others that we're not used to seeing, um, you know, associated with them. Uh, so I do think that's kind of interesting. Like Penn State is is like this quiet program, that, but they return uh, their quarterback, a ton of skill talent revamped defensive staff where they're always seemingly strong. They've got a preseason All-American at safety. It's like, why why are we doing this to, to Penn State? But yet Michigan's like a consensus yeah. top five, top 10 team. You know, are you basing that off of last year? They had a lot of attrition as well, lost both coordinators and a ton of their own talent. So it's it's just interesting how these voters, you know, look at the rankings. And as usual, they'll they'll probably end up looking pretty dumb at the end of the season. But the beauty of it is we get to watch it play out in real time. I love it. Paul Feinbaum, I think, said this week something along the lines of the AP poll doesn't matter in the preseason. It's going to change anyway. And I thought, that's weird. You've been talking a lot about it on your shows here recently. I think that's all of us that are like, oh, the AP poll, who cares? But also, <laughs> man, it makes for some really good content. And it has, of course, this week. Uh, John, thanks so much for coming on, as always. The next time we do this, we'll be like 48 hours away from football season. Music to my ears on, on a Wednesday, brother. Appreciate huge. that. That's huge. So, John, uh, if the folks out there want to find you, John Garcia Jr. on Twitter, John Garcia underscore JR. Sports Illustrated, go to that college tab. He's got all the stuff right there. Check out the SI99 as well. Look through the Big 12 teams. Check out Baylor at 70 with Austin Novosad. But thank you for listening or watching Locked on Baylor today. Come back tomorrow. And the head coach, the Albany Great Danes, Baylor's first opponent, joins Locked on Baylor.